It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search it out is the glory of kings. This is the Message to Kings podcast. Episode 267, John the Baptist. The entire Old Testament ends with these verses. Malachi 4, 2. But to you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall arise, with healing in his wings, and you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. You shall trample the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet. And on that day... I will do this, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded in Horeb for all of Israel with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. In this episode, John the Baptist starts his ministry in the wilderness and goes on to the Jordan River, where he preaches the repentance of sin and baptism. Though he's not actually Elijah himself, he is, in the words of Jesus, the Elijah to come. His purpose to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to the fathers, and the spirit of Elijah, and to prepare the way for the Lord. The account of John the Baptist is so profound that we have it in all of the four Gospels, and we have the prophecies even foretelling the event. Isaiah 43. Comfort, comfort my people, says the Lord. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Matthew 3. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. It's like John the Baptist departed his parents' home, Um, maybe when he came of age, and he went into the wilderness. Most likely, he ended up with the Essenes. The Essenes were a standalone community which didn't congregate in the big cities, and specifically Jerusalem, um, where there, in so many ways, they were the keepers of the traditions. Um, They're kind of the off-grid worshipers of God. After all, it was at Qumran that we have the preservation and discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls, These were compiled and kept by the Essenes. These scrolls would confirm the historic accuracy of the Old Testament works. These scrolls were the work of the Essenes. They actually had a form of baptism, which they practiced. It was nothing, it was pretty much taken to a new level by John the Baptist. They had strict obedience to the law and their devotion to God, and the fact that they preserved the words 
of God um, in the Dead Sea Scrolls, they reveal something about their commitment to the true, um, authentic Word of God. It was here that John the Baptist was most likely mentored in the ways of God. And I picture him going in and out of the Essene camps, encountering God and learning from his father, his heavenly father. And we'll learn from his appearance that he was not um, into the fashions of his day, nor to the cares of this life. He was truly a prophet in the wilderness. In addition to his total devotion to God, something came upon him, I believe, as he stepped foot upon the Jordan River. We just have to assume perhaps he stepped across the waters to be discipled by the Essenes. And when he returned across the waters, something happened in the spirit uh, for he started to boldly preach. And I picture him, and this is just me trying to understand him, uh, wondering about his calling, finding a copy of Isaiah's scroll and the, and the Holy Spirit whispering in his ear that you are, you are the voice. You are the voice in the wilderness. I mean, the prophecy actually declares this about him, and he'll actually later tell the Pharisees that I am the voice in the wilderness. Matthew 3, 3. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locust and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. His appearance was unimportant to him. His diet was obscure. It was as if he had a fasting lifestyle. A, a friend of mine sent me an article suggesting he had come from Arabia due to his appearance with the camel's hair, um, even, even his leather belt, and is entirely possible, and perhaps even journeyed to Sinai like his predecessor, Elijah himself. And this would fit the pattern, right? And, and he has the customs of someone who had been to Arabia. His message was repentance, and I imagine he was on fire. And he demanded repentance of sin, and he got it. And he wasn't a smooth talker. I don't, I don't imagine him. Um, he was completely an outsider to the, to the Pharisees. And I picture the religious ruling class baffled by this guy who looked so odd uh, preaching. They probably thought he was crazy. Matthew 1, 5 says, People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. They didn't go, you know, to, to see a, a slick preacher. They didn't go out to see a, um, you know, a, a charismatic leader. They went out because there was a raw preacher of the word of God and something was upon him that was totally different. He conducted baptisms of repentance, and his message was not elegant and charismatic, but he was probably loud and bold and aggressive. And there was a, but there was an element of favor upon him. His preaching drew men to him, and I honestly think it was countercultural as well. He wasn't a Pharisee. He was off-grid. He wasn't official. He wasn't sanctioned by anyone but God alone. He preached his preaching drew people to him in the Spirit. Here's a sample of his aggressive preaching. And take note of the direct, imperative speech. He didn't want fame or fortune or anything but holiness. Luke 3, 7. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. 
For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown in the fire. What should we do then? The crowd asked. John answered, Anyone has two shirts should share with the one who has none, and anyone has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you require to, he told them. Then same. Then some soldiers asked him, what should we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. John the Baptist only cared about holiness. He carried a weighty fear of the Lord and a powerful message of the fear of the Lord, which demanded holiness in the highest of people. Repent is his message. He would preach to tax collectors, soldiers who could have taken him off to prison, uh, villains and crooks, and even the Pharisees who were the religious ruling class. Matthew 3.11, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the shaft with unquenchable fire. He does go too far, though. He eventually will rebuke someone who had the political clout to do something. But this doesn't happen for some time. He rebukes Herod the Tetrarch. This is Herod Antipas, who rules east of the Jordan and Galilee. Because he married Herodia, Herodias, his brother's wife, and goes, in, goes on to rebuke him for many other things. But this doesn't happen for some time. At this point, many start to follow John, um, helping him even with baptisms. Two fishermen from Bethsaida, Andrew and John, become followers of John the Baptist. Many others would follow, making um, people start to wonder if he was the Messiah. And if you ever wonder if the people really knew that there was a Messiah coming, or if this was actually, you know, something in the people's minds at the time, you know, just chew on these verses. I mean, the people were clearly praying for and expecting a Messiah. Now, this was commonplace in Israel. Um, check out these verses. Luke 3.15, the people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John would possibly be the Messiah. I mean, isn't that fascinating? I mean, there's an eagerness in the hearts, and if you put yourself in this, you know, this era in time when Jesus is here, they're eagerly awaiting a Messiah. They really want one to free him from the Romans, uh, but it's, it's in their constitution, it's in their prayers, it's in their... Um, it, it's in their psyche that they're waiting on a Messiah. Luke 3.16, John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I, the, st the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So these words just mess me up. They do. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. That is what's coming. The Son of God himself will come and afterward a baptism in the Spirit as well. Here's more of John's dialogue. John 1, 19. 
Now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed that I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you a prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had sent to question him said, Why then do you baptize if you're not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me. I imagine crowds are just following John. The Pharisees are watching his every move, wanting to find a flaw. The people, and they're really puzzled too. I can imagine they're just, they're just baffled at this, you know, uneducated, um, you know, crazy man in the wilderness that's drawing thousands of people. Now his disciples are helping. Thousands and thousands are being baptized. John continues to preach and, and know he was sent ahead of another. One whose sandals he was unworthy to untie, and his purpose nearly achieved, wondering when the day of days would come. And then one day, one man walking amongst thousands for his turn to be baptized. Matthew three thirteen. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. So Jesus came to be baptized, not really to repent like the others, um, for he had no sin, but to fulfill righteousness. It was a righteous act for all believers to be baptized. It's a concept of baptism today, which we'll conclude the podcast with. John's account tells us something unbelievable, though. The revelation of John here is unreal. He calls Jesus something that the powers of darkness didn't understand. John 1.29, The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Okay, so John confesses his entire purpose was to prepare the way for the Lord. But John calls Jesus what? The Lamb of God. Oh my, in plain sight, John the Baptist declares Jesus' purpose was to take away the sins of the world, to be the Lamb of God, the ram in the thicket at Isaac's sacrifice, the blood of the Lamb on the threshold of the door when the angel of death passed over, the blood of the Lamb, the fulfillment of all sacrifices, and the fulfillment of the law itself. It's right here. It's declared at his baptism, but no one knew it. 1 Corinthians 2.8. This is what the Apostle Paul says about the cross and how the devil would have never killed Jesus if he really realized that he would fulfill all the atonement at this very moment. 1 Corinthians 2.8. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now in the midst of Jesus' baptism, we have the clearest picture of the Trinity in the Bible. Mark 9, 9. 
At that point, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love, and with you I am well pleased. The Son, the Spirit as a dove, and the voice of the Father. Three in one, all manifesting at once. Let's conclude this episode of Message to Kings with a look at baptism and the hidden messaging from Isaiah 40. John the Baptist fulfilled his role preaching repentance and ushering in a new era with his preaching and his message. His message was repentance of sin and turning towards God. Repentance is defined as a, a turning, a, a turning of a heart, a turning from a sinful, wicked ways of the flesh. Uh, to the ways of God and the Spirit, a turning around, a completely turning your back on sin and death and turning towards God, and with it a public confession of faith, a public confession of faith which is baptism. In nearly every church today, converts and mature believers are asked when they want to be baptized. Um, This baptism is the fulfillment of this event in our lives. Uh, We may not see the Holy Spirit as a dove or hear the voice of God, but this is a public confession of our faith, and it's an act of obedience as a Christian to be baptized. I almost marked my baptism to the day I told God that I am very serious. Uh, I'm serious to walking a life of faith, and I'm going to follow you wholeheartedly. Jesus will soon start his ministry, and perhaps you will as soon as you are baptized, whatever it looks like. Yet there's so much here. Um, Being submerged in water represents um, death to sin, and the emerging from water represents the cleansing and the holy life that follows. We are baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is the Great Commission from Matthew 28, 19. Um, Here's a side story. Famous Texan Sam Houston was baptized, rising up out of the freezing waters in Rocky Creek. The pastor said, your sins have been washed away. Sam's reply, God help the fish downstream. There's other amazing stories from history, such as the Ethiopian eunuch from Acts 8, uh, which breaks the model um, of really all sorts of formality. Um, It's a step of a believer, but it's never required for salvation either. Um, If you doubt this, the thief on the cross was never baptized. So your baptism is not your salvation, uh, but it's an act of faith and a process um, of obedience um, and a public confession of faith. But there's there's types of examples here where like the thief never was baptized, but he was saved, right? Uh, And then you have other cases where the Ethiopian eunuch was baptized with Philip the evangelist on the road. It's just two guys um, in a pool of water. You don't elevate it too much, but it's it's steps in our faith. Uh, It's part of the Christian walk. Repent, be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and walk into your true calling and purpose for life. If you love God and haven't been baptized, it's the model set forth by Jesus himself. It's a serious moment where you step out and declare you are a Christian. Um, Every church in the land that worships Jesus um, has a pastor that will baptize you. It's not a complicated thing. Uh, I've also seen some crazy expressions of baptism. Uh, You might cringe at these. Um, I didn't do it, but I've seen it myself. I met these two girls who were so set on fire for Jesus, and they were so hungry they didn't want to wait a month for their church to get around to it, and they baptized each other in a river. 
Crazy, eh? What about a motorcycle evangelism event where the evangelist poured water on a bottle of water on a guy's head because he wanted to be baptized right there? And don't overthink it. It's honestly about the heart. Are you serious for Jesus? Then you get baptized. But generally, one signs up at a church to be baptized. Uh, the procedure is a simple teaching from a pastor who explains what and why you're doing it. And you'll be led in the process. It's a public confession of faith. It's obedience of a mature and serious believer. So if you haven't yet, uh, please get baptized. And if you doubt you should, Jesus did it. You should. All right. The voice in the wilderness. Check out these verses again. Isaiah 43 through 5. A voice of one calling, In the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. I'm amazed at this list here. Every valley shall be raised up, hill made low, crooked place made level, and rough places plain. The list is poetic in nature, but it, it speaks to the four seasons, the four directions of the compass, the four pillars of the altar, the gospels of Jesus, the points of the cross. They are the raising, lowering, smoothing, and straightening of a road if you're, if you're making it perfect, like a highway. The word for means completeness. It's these it's the manufacturing of a perfect and straight and narrow path. This was his message. This was the message spoken over John the Baptist over a thousand years ago. This was his fulfillment. Now we read the verse in its fullness, kind of paraphrasing it, putting it in the kind of the mention of roadways and replace it with the word with completeness, kind of paraphrasing it. The simplicity of English in the language now. Isaiah 43 through five paraphrased. The voice of John the Baptist declares, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway of God. The land shall be cleared and leveled, straightened for all to see and receive in his fullness and completeness. The glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Message to Kings. If you haven't yet, please make sure to rate the podcast on your listening platform, whether it's Amazon, Spotify, iTunes, or Google Play. Also, check out the updated messagetokings.com website or email us with any feedback at messagetokings at gmail.com. Thanks, everyone. Talk to you soon.